are listening to TKO on CFI Radio 93.3 FM in Guelph, Ontario, and available worldwide at CFRU.ca. What is happening, everybody? What's good? It's your girl Janan right here on TKO. As you already know, here on TKO, all we talk about is mixed martial arts, also known as MMA and other combat sports. We also discuss the issues that surround the world of fighting and talk about all the fighters and athletes, how they got started in the game and where they are now. And actually, speaking of which... Man, today we're going to be talking about one of the greatest legends who has ever lived and who has ever stepped into the octagon to ever fight in the entire history, throughout the entire history of mixed martial arts. We're going to be talking about George St. Pierre. We're going to be talking about GSP, the legend that he is, where he came from, where he is now, what sort of great things he has accomplished throughout so many years and we're going to be talking about his most recent fight obviously the main event of ufc 217 which just happened and man i cannot wait to talk about that fight because i'm still pumped up about it i mean it's we're like in the middle of the week and the fight happened on saturday but i'm still pumped up and it's not just me man it's all the fans out there not just canadian fans Every single MMA fan that you can possibly think of is still so pumped up because of the return of George St. Pierre into mixed martial arts and into the UFC. So that is one of the biggest things that we're going to be talking about today here on TKO. But not only that, man, 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 the entire main card of UFC 217 was just on fire. It was so hot. It was sizzling hot. I mean, every single fight you had to watch. And there was no freaking way that you, ha- you would even take a bathroom break or something. Because the fights were just so important and so interesting. And you could not miss a single second. Even if you blinked, you would probably miss something important. So it was just so important for you to just sit there for probably like four hours or so on your couch. And you couldn't even move. You had to watch. And you were constantly on the edge of your couch and the edge of your chair and it was just so historic and i mean it, this was definitely the best card of the year the best fighting card of the entire year but not only that i would personally compare it to i mean i would say that it was probably one of the best cards of all time because I mean, thanks to Sean Shelby and whoever the matchmakers are at the UFC, man, they really know how to do their job because they obviously know who to, you know, who to match up um, each person with and who who's going to be the greatest matchup, who who um, is going to present challenges for whoever fighter. And man, I mean, just kudos to the UFC matchmakers for just coming up with this phenomenal card. And not only that, I mean, we're definitely not going to be talking about the preliminary cards because we're not going to be having enough time. But I mean, let's just briefly mention how great those those fights were and yes even though they were on the preliminary card and not on the pay-per-view but I I personally I mean I never watched the preliminary fights but this time around because the fights were just so phenomenal even the fights on the preliminary card were just super important super super exciting and some of them were even so controversial 
But um, again, I mean, we're not going to be having enough time to talk about those. But all I can say is that we saw so many great performances by the fighters who fought on the preliminary card. And um, it was definitely a phenomenal way to just um, open up the uh, the night and to basically warm up the fans and whoever, whoever was actually watching the fights. It was a phenomenal way to open up the night and to basically open up the main card. So... You know, there's the preliminary card and man, I mean, man, I, I don't think I even give an introduction or like what's actually coming up for for this episode because I was just so excited to start talking about UFC 217. So excuse me if you were actually waiting for an introduction or a, a preview of what we're going to be talking about today. I'm sorry, but, you know, this is pretty much what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be thoroughly, thoroughly breaking down the fights that happened on the main card of UFC 217, which happened in Madison Square Garden, the legendary and the historic Madison Square Garden in New York City. Obviously, we're going to be talking about all of those fights. And if we have some extra time, we might get into the fight night that is going to be happening the, over this weekend, this upcoming weekend on Saturday, which is going to be a fight between Anthony Pettis, the former featherweight champion, um, Anthony Pettis and Dustin Poirier, who's making a great comeback. So those two are going to be headlining the fight night on um, November 11th. And it's going to be in Virginia. So if we have enough time, we're going to be briefly previewing that fight too. But most of all, you know, I, I really want to primarily primarily focus on the fights that happened over this past weekend. Because even though, you know, they, it's all in the past now, you could say. But they were just so phenomenal that you have to still talk about them. And to just, you know, really thoroughly analyze what happened deep in the octagon so without further ado my friends let's get started okay so the first fight that opened up the main card of ufc 217 was a phenomenal i mean i keep saying phenomenal <laughs> every single time but it's just the best word to describe uh, this entire fight and, you know it's the only word that can possibly describe this fight so this phenomenal fight it was between the former champion, the former welterweight champion, Johnny Hendricks and Paulo Costa, or as we used to know him as Paulo uh, Bohachinha, which in Portuguese means eraser. And now Paulo Bohachinha Costa, he, he doesn't want to be called uh, Bohachinha anymore because, you know, a lot of people actually don't know what that means. But he's saying that he just wants to be called Paulo the eraser. Costa. So we're just going to call him the eraser. And man, I mean, what a great thing to live up to because he definitely is an eraser, especially when it comes to wiping out people in his division. And right now, okay, even though I did say that Johnny Hendricks used to be the champion at welterweight, well, right now, Johnny Hendricks is fighting uh, Paulo Costa, Paulo the Eraser, at middleweight, so at 185 pounds. And that was mostly because um, Johnny Hendricks has been having so many problems with his uh, weight cuts, and um, he just wants to fight at a natural weight. So he doesn't really want to cut that much weight. So that's why he's fighting at 185. But okay, let me just tell you something. Even though they're fighting at 185, Paulo Co when you compare the physiques of both of these guys with each other, if you compare the body 
and the and the how how his body is built up, how uh, Paulo Costa's body is built up, comparing to Johnny Hendricks at this specific weight class. Man, Paulo Costa is definitely a um, a natural middleweight. He he was meant to fight in this weight division. However, for Johnny Hendricks, you know, not so much because when you look at him, he just has he's carrying so much extra weight, and um, those you know that much extra weight isn't necessarily all muscle, and you see a lot of fat in um. He just he's his body isn't just looking as ready as Paulo Costa. I mean. Okay, even though this is all just um, speculation, but if you just see Paulo Costa from afar, you might have assumptions about him doing some, um, you know, him being on the juice, you know, if you know what I mean. So, but obviously, both of these guys have been doing testings by USADA, by the United States Anti-Doping Agency, and they're both clean, completely clean. But, you know, just saying, that's how prepared Paulo Costa's body is looking. Anyway, coming back to this fight, so the fight starts. Johnny Hendricks, for this specific fight, he has changed um, gyms. He has changed his um, fight camp, and he's now training at um, New Mexico in um, the gym called Jackson Wing, which um, it's a gym where a lot of um, UFC champions are currently at, or should I say former champions like John Jones and Holly Holm. You know, a lot of those people are training at Jackson Wink. And uh, Johnny Hendricks is also there. He's saying that, okay, you know, what, because of the change, I'm going to be, I'm going to have so much more improvements and I'm d- definitely going to be a different uh, fighter. However, when he came into this fight, Johnny Hendricks was just too slow and um, he just couldn't really deliver that much. But Paulo Costa, on the other hand, he he just showed that he really deserves to be in the UFC first of all and that he really deserves to fight somebody uh, a top ranked contender because he just definitely showed that he can totally murk a former champion and in a really really um uh, demolishing way you could say and so I mean the first round Johnny Hendricks survived however when it came to the second round even even though Johnny Hendricks tried to like stay in there and to just hang in there and not give up, but Paulo Costa was just he was just a better guy that night, and um, there was no way that with the with the conditions that Paulo Costa came into the octagon um, that Johnny Hendricks was gonna win the fight because there's just it just made no no logical sense that Johnny Hendricks was gonna win that fight in any possible way and therefore because of that Paulo Costa um, he just uh, went out there just guns blazing in the second round and he um, completely overwhelmed Johnny Hendricks with so many shots and um, Johnny just um, he was pushed against the fence and he was just in complete defensive mode and so because of that um, the referee stopped the fight and so it was um, declared a knockout TKO in favor of Paulo Costa and man you know it's just so hard to watch um, Johnny Hendricks in such a situation because just like I said I mean there was a reason why he used to be the champion at welterweight and um, just like I mentioned before in our episode on uh, our previous episodes uh, when I was previewing this fight Johnny Hendricks um, uh, uh, right hand is really famous because it's just so powerful and um you know, that's one of the main reasons why he would be successful in this fight. However, 
I mean, as he as he's getting older, things are definitely getting tougher for him. And, um, you know, th- I think there was a difference of 12 years between the ages of these two guys. Paulo Costa is so young. I think he's 24 or 25. And uh, Johnny Hendricks is in his um, mid to late 30s. And uh, obviously, you can't even compare the the preparedness of these two guys. And so because of that, I would, I mean... Not to be mean, but I would say Johnny Hendricks really needs to reconsider his um, um, stay in the UFC. And, and he really actually needs to consider retirement. I mean, there's no shame in retiring, especially if you if you are a former champion. And, you know, just just um, you have to consider your health and your safety. And, you know, sometimes, you know, after, after a certain point, you just... Your body just can't do it, man. And, you know, with all due respect, Johnny Hendricks, I would definitely say that, man, you really need to retire. And just like I said, there's no shame in retirement. And, you know, there's so many other great things that you can do when you retire. You can possibly start your own gym and start coaching other other young um, fighters and, you know, make them make them a champion possibly. And for Paulo Costa, man, he is on the rise. And um, I would say he's going to be somebody like Anderson Silva in terms of um, how how huge his name is going to be in Brazil and how, um, you know, uh, in in terms of the magnitude of uh, how um, how legendary he's going to be in the future, because that's just how good he is. He's definitely on the rise. And, um, you know, we'll we'll probably see him fight for, for a championship belt sometime in the future. That is definitely guaranteed. And um, yeah, man, currently he is undefeated in all of his fights. He has knocked out his opponents. So it's just so interesting it's interesting to see what's actually coming up for Paulo Costa and what the UFC is going to do with him because he's just that good. And um, I'm just super excited for him and uh, what's coming up next for him in the future. Anyway, moving on. So the next fight after this fight was a fight between Steven Wonderboy Thompson and Jorge Masvidal. So this fight I was super excited for. Um, I was personally rooting for Jorge Masvidal. However... I mean, even in, in the in the weigh-ins the day before this fight, you could tell that Jorge Masvidal, he, his body was just looking kind of weird. I mean, even though this is his natural, so 170 pounds is his natural uh, weight class, but he was just looking a bit too, too um, unprepared for his weight class, and he wasn't carrying a lot of muscle, and especially, you know, he wasn't showing a six-pack or anything, but... I mean, not not to say that a six pack is actually necessary to have when you're weighing in, but just saying, you know, that just shows how prepared your body is. And Jorge Masvidal didn't have that. And then uh, for Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, it was the exact opposite. He looks super prepared. Um, he looks super lean and um, not a single ounce of fat in his body, pretty much. And he looks super prepared anyway. So coming into the fight, um, Jorge Masvidal, it just looked like he was just being super cautious and that he didn't really want to take any risks. And also another thing that I would say really um, helped Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and really, um, you know, worked against Jorge Masvidal in this fight was the physical advantages that Stephen Wonderboy Thompson had in this fight because he was just so much taller and um, he could maintain his range and he could basically throw strikes from afar and not even let um, Jorge Masvidal get close to him. So it was just super tough for Jorge Masvidal to even touch 
um, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson in this fight because he was just so tall and he knew how to get away from whenever, uh, you know, whenever a shot was coming towards him, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. And so because of that, Jorge Masvidal wasn't really having a lot of um, success with striking with um, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. And Stephen Wonderboy Thompson was using punches, kicks, and all the things that you would possibly expect from him. And um, he was actually being so successful with it. But unfortunately, it, it just wasn't a good night for Jorge Masvidal. And um, I don't know if it was um, his preparedness. Maybe he wasn't that ready for this fight. Or maybe um, the the physical advantages of Stephen Wonderboy Thompson actually got to him. And so he, w- he just wasn't being successful that night so overall the fight went the full distance and um, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson won that fight through a decision <sighs> yeah it, w- it was a tough one especially if you're rooting for the other guy and the other guy loses you know it's just tough to watch but it was definitely a really really interesting fight to watch but yeah man so Dana White the president of the UFC actually this is this is hot news y'all so Stephen Wonderboy Dana White said that Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is going to be fighting Darren Till and we already talked about Darren Till on our show and um you know how he fought a few weeks back and that he's one of those young guys who's just on the rise and he he's pretty much he really wants to challenge everybody and he's the guy Darren Till is the guy who defeated um who completely dominated over Donald Cowboy Cerrone and so Dana White is saying that Darren Till the same Darren Till the the uh, the scary scary Darren Till is going to be fighting Stephen Wonderboy Thompson sometime soon in a few months and man let me tell you this, I cannot wait until that fight happens because it's just so interesting to see. I mean, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is going to be Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. He's going to come in with the same game plan, with the with the same karate style um, game plan that he usually comes into the octagon with. But it's so interesting to see how Darren Till is going to work around that and possibly even how he's going to deal with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson in the first place and whether or not he's even able to finish him. I mean, that would be pretty interesting considering how um, how unexpected the MMA results can be. So because of that, I would say I'm, I'm just super, super looking forward to that fight. Really looking forward to that fight. And I cannot wait until that fight happens. So, yeah, man, there you have that. And now moving on to our championship fight. So the third last fight of the evening. Oh, my God. This fight was amazing. So... This fight was for the women's strawweight um, title. And we had the champion, Yuana Young Jajek, fighting Rose Thug Nama Yunus. And so, okay, let me just give you a brief background of this fight. So, um, you know, you, we all know how uh, Yuana Young Jajek is. She really wants to bully her opponents before the fight, you know, just to sell the fight and promote the fight and to, you know, just uh, bring in a, a lot of attention to her fight. And we all know that's just part of part of her showmanship. And, you know, obviously, when you say all, all of those mean stuff, you probably don't mean them, right? But it, this time around, it was just so different. It felt so different. 
because Yuana Yanjicek, she was trying to say that because Rose Nama Yunus beforehand, she had um, talked about mental health and uh, mental illnesses in her family. And um, she was just talking about them. And Yuana Yanjicek decided to go after her in, in terms of that. And, you know, she definitely received a lot of backlash because of that. And so, you know, people were this time around, people were actually portraying Yuana Yanjicek as the, as a villain and rose as an angel pretty much and even in the weigh-ins joanna was just being super mean to rose and just um saying that hey i'm, I'm a boogie woman and I'm, I'm gonna come after you and whatnot and then rose nama Yunus, she would just be super super calm as if nothing is happening and when she was asked what she was thinking and what she was saying you know say during the face-offs um, she would say, I was reciting the Lord's Prayer. And, man, I mean, I don't know. It's just so, so interesting because we've never really seen something like this before, uh, you know, in the in the modern era of um, MMA. And it's just super interesting. I mean, especially after Conor McGregor, guys like Conor McGregor and those people came in, um, it was just thought that, oh, you have to be super mean and you have to talk the trash talk and all, all of those things to uh, to sell your fights and get attention for your fights but this time around rose was actually doing the opposite thing and she was just um trying to maintain her cool and um just being herself man and anyway so talking about this fight Guys, okay, this fight was so, the result was so unexpected, but, I, it, you know, deep down in my gut, I actually thought that something like this would happen. So, the fight starts, Rose is super calm, Yuana is just ready to go out there and um, basically murk Rose Nama Yunus, but the fight starts... Yoana isn't being the same Yoana. She's not throwing as much volume. And I don't know what's going on inside her head because Rose Namajunas is actually being successful with striking striking her and um, actually, you know, making her strikes being absorbed by Yoana. So it's just so weird to see that because usually we're used to seeing Yoana being the aggressor and um, throwing a lot of punches towards towards their opponents to over overwhelm them. But this time around, it just looked like Rose was being the aggressor and she was trying to overwhelm Yoana. And it, it just felt like Yoana was just open to that and she wasn't really properly defending herself. And then in the very first round, oh man, it was just so, so so surprising to see it because Joanna was actually caught with a shot with the with the lead hook by Rose and then she went down she went down cold and then Rose just saw this opportunity she went on top of her and she started grounding and pounding and the referee jumped in and stopped the fight so Joanna Young Jacob was actually knocked out in this round in the very first round she lost her championship belt and rose nama Yunus, y'all is the new women's strawweight champion at the ufc and i cannot i couldn't believe it when i saw it but after after i saw what happened i was just super super excited and i was just super pumped up because i really deep down in my heart i really felt like rose nama Yunus deserved that and um even in my gut i kind of had a feeling that rose was gonna win that fight but I wasn't. I was not expecting Rose to knock out Yuana Young Jacek, who in our in our eyes, in the eyes of the fans and everybody else, we thought that Yuana Young Jacek was just so invincible. But on, on on fight night, she broke. She broke down, and 
now we have a new champion so it's just as easy as that and you know that's why the mma game is just so interesting because you never really know despite having all the all the logic and the stats behind you you might think that what you think is right but in reality some things might just change and things will turn out the way that you wouldn't really expect them to so that's just the beauty of mma and combat sports Anyway, man, so that was the first surprise of the night. The next fight was between TJ Dillashaw and Cody Garbrandt for the men's bantamweight championship. And there was a lot of beef going on between these two guys, as we already know. These these guys used to be teammates, and, um, you know, TJ left uh, Team Alpha Male, and um, there's just a lot of trash talk between these two guys. And Cody was saying that he had actually knocked out TJ in a sparring session. And um, actually, two days before the fight, Cody Garbrandt posted this um, video of him knocking out TJ in, in a sparring session back in the day. He posted that on Instagram and, um, you know, just to make things more interesting for his fight. But coming into the fight, the first round, Cody Garbrandt was actually being successful with his shots. Even even towards the end of the first round, TJ went down. He actually got caught with a shot and he went down. But he was lucky because there was only like five five seconds left to the end of the first round. So he got lucky because the fight was stopped. Um, you know, the first round ended. Anyway, the second round started. TJ came back stronger than ever. And now he was catching Cody with his own shots. And then in the second round... He catches Cody with a really, really nice shot. And Cody goes down as if he's being shot by a sniper. That's just how, how um, <laughs> you know, he was just uh, dead unconscious at that moment. And his knees just went went down and he just went to the uh, went to the canvas and then tj started grounding and pounding and then the referee stopped the fight and now tj dillashaw has gained back his belt and what was so so interesting and um man i was just super pumped up after seeing this scene so i'm gonna describe this scene so after the referee stops the fight cody garbrian cannot believe it he just still wants to fight tj because he, he just doesn't believe the the result so he gets back up cody gets back up but tj he's so in the moment because he just knocked out cody garbrandt he is he goes towards cody he puts his face against cody's and he's yelling man he's yelling like from the top of his lungs he's yelling at cody garbrandt and it's just so so animalistic it's so primal and it's so pure it's just i mean Oh man, it's just so hard to describe it, and because the 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 excitement and the and the happiness and the relief that T.J. Dillashaw is feeling at that moment is so real, and the agony and the and the disbelief that Cody Garbrandt is feeling at that moment that is also real, and it was just one of the scenes that you can never really see, um, just out in the world and. Man, it was just so beautiful to watch that. I mean, it, you might you might think that it's weird to say, but that was that was a really rare scene to see and it was actually so beautiful to see. So, yeah, man, we have a new bantamweight champion just like that. And TJ Dillashaw is actually calling out Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, the champion at 125 pounds, and he's saying, "Man, let's go for a super fight cuz you know I'm ready, so you better be ready." And so there's that, just like that, the second surprise of the night. And now moving on to the main event of the evening, 
of course, Bisping versus GSP. Bisping is looking confident. So is GSP. The first round and the, and the second round, GSP is looking super relaxed. And he just in there, he, does, he really wants to conserve energy. He doesn't want to uh, expend too much energy on Michael Bisping. And uh, Bisping, he looks like he doesn't really, he can't really land too much on George St. Pierre. And then the third round, um, Michael Bisping actually starts to feel that George St. Pierre is kind of slowing down and whatnot. So he himself is um, starting to um, uh, be successful in the third round. And then in the fourth round, um, George St. Pierre um, attempts a takedown. And then um, it's probably one of the worst takedowns that you can possibly think of because even though George was on top, Michael Bisping was having more success in that case because he was elbowing George and he opened up a few cuts on George's um, head and his face and it was just so brutal. But in the end, George St. Pierre, because they got back up, George St. Pierre catches Michael Bisping with a really, really nice shot and uh, Michael Bisping goes down. But George, he goes for a ground and pound, but because he sees that he he's in a good position to go for a submission, he goes for a rear naked choke and Michael Bisping, he does not tap. He goes out unconscious and the referee has to stop George from um, choking him because Michael was just unconscious. He couldn't really tap. And so just like that, George St. Pierre makes a phenomenal comeback and he wins the middleweight championship belt for himself. So just like George, uh, just like um, Conor McGregor, just like BJ Penn, just like Randy Couture, George St. Pierre is also uh, another guy in the UFC, one of the few guys to have done it, to have won two different championship belts at two different uh, weight divisions. And after so many years of absence, he just comes back and made it look so easy and so smooth. And so as a Canadian, as a Canadian fan, I couldn't be more proud of um, George St. Pierre. And I'm just super, super happy for him. So, yeah, man, that was just phenomenal to see. And uh I mean, up to up to this moment, I'm still so pumped up. And yeah, man, with that, that is all the time we're going to have for this week. Make sure you go to CFRU.ca to catch up with TKO. And until next time, this is your girl, Junan, right here. And this is TKO. Peace out. <laughs>